Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. The Colts close out a three-game homestand on Sundays. They welcome in the Jacksonville Jaguars for the first of two meetings this season. And the Colts look to get the home stretch of the year started with a win with eight games to play. I'm Matt Taylor. Welcome to Inside Football with Rick Venturi. Rick is back with us, and so are his 27 years of coaching experience in the National Football League. Are you rested up after that long weekend off? Yeah, it was a it was a nice weekend. It seemed so strange on Sunday, actually, not to be doing football yeah. and to have football going on around you. But I got I got my grandson. I got two games on Saturday, so it wasn't <laughs> totally without football. <laughs> no, I, Fourth grade football, but it was still a lot of fun. So, I, didn't, I didn't think you, know, you could really, do it. Really anxious to get back here. You know, as you said, this final eight games, and you know, I think even more critically is this third quarter of the season. I've always done it by quarters and now you know we're into this critical third quarter of the season you know starting Saturday Sunday with uh, Jacksonville yeah and the Colts last time out they did what they typically do in the Frank Reich era that's dispose of bad teams they beat the Jets 45 to 30 the offense was simply dominant on Thursday on a short week yeah no they do that's exactly right and and I don't mean this in any negative way I think it's a tremendous plus I wish in my career sometimes they could have said this about me, is that the Colts win the games they should win. And they do a really good job, and I think this is Frank's strength, is spitting out or getting through the Sunday before and going right to the next week. And they came out Thursday night, you know, high energy, high intensity, you know, and actually ran the Jets off the field, literally. And you're exactly right. This was another big offensive uh, firepower game. This has become a really high-flying offense. You know, I think we thought it could be pretty doggone good. I think it's, you know, it's outrunning our expectancies right now, and that's a really good thing. I mean, the 45 and the way it's done was more reminiscent of the Manning days than anything else. So, you know, I think, you know, it's it's so it gives you a lot of optimism going forward. Your special teams have been and always are elite. Um, You know, Sanchez is terrific, and and Badgley stepped in and done a really good job. Our defense continues to play good run defense and get a magnificent amount of turnovers. The only elephant in the room right now is that we have to fix the pass defense. That's the one thing, you know, I'm not going to belabor it, but that is the one thing that could be the anchor that could that could prevent us from going forward because I think two-thirds of this team really uh, has the kind of numbers right now and the kind of tools, I think, to be a deep playoff team. All right, let's talk about midseason offensive positives before we go full into the Jaguars. Sure. You know, the Colts offense has climbed up to a top-10 unit in both points and overall yards. They're scoring 34 points per game in the last month. That's number one in the NFL in that span. They've scored at least 25 in six straight games. That's the longest streak in the NFL. What do you like most about the way the Colts offense is humming right now? Well, I think it always, you know, you're always going to start with your quarterback and his overall play this season, and he's opened that multiple two box 
you know, week by week for us, which has been terrific. You know, he's climbing the charts, number nine in QBR. I mean, he's having a terrific season. Taylor has been sensational, really. Um, You know, he's a guy that can beat you with singles, beat you with home runs. Uh, You can't find a better running back in the league right now than Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Pittman, again, his emergence from scheme guy to go-to guy to playmaker has been terrific. Um, Those three things in itself, I think, has really made this offense explosive. Then you add, I like the idea of Hines is an in-series changeup rather than, well, we're going to run these plays and then we're going to bring Hines. And I like him as that changeup because he does have that playmaking ability and he changes gears. And if you do it within a series, the defense doesn't have a chance to really adjust to him. I, I really do believe that. Uh, offensive line is improving from week to week. I think, you know, we've really done a good job. I talked about this early in the season. We've evolved from a zone running team. We've added a lot of diversity. We're running some whams, some counters, some tosses, some wildcats. I I think all that's important. If you're, you know, some, some things that the one thing that I really like is Taylor and Hines together at times in the backfield with Hines kind of as a hybrid. I mean, all those things add tremendous defense and problems, and it utilizes our top, our top people. You know, scoring offense, four straight over 30. Uh, you know, rushing offense, number two, 5.1 per play. And I, I just like the idea, and I hope he can continue. It doesn't always work this way, but you can see Frank really work to be running back-centric. Um, and I think that's just so important because that is really – Along with our quarterback, the running back situation is really just laden with those two playmakers. And the more you get them touches and different kinds of football and different kinds of touches, the better you're going to be. All right, then a look at the defense through nine games around the midway point of the season. The bright spots have been running defense. DeForest Buckner in the middle. Darius Leonard's takeaways. The Colts leading the NFL in turnovers with 20 takeaways. But the passing defense has to be looked at. It has to be examined if the Colts want to make a serious push at a playoff spot. Yeah, there's no question about the 20 turnovers leading the league is phenomenal. Uh, You know, the Colts talked about that 40 goal. Uh, I scoffed at it early. Um, You know, they're making a believer out of me. Uh, You know, they play hard as a team. They get after it. And, uh, you know, and basically, you know, I've said this so many times, there's just nobody like Leonard. I've just never seen anybody that could turn the ball over and turn it over in critical game-changing situations. Really, turnovers are the life raft for this defense. This defense doesn't do enough things well to be really good, but the turnovers save it time and time and time again. That's a really good thing. Also, we're a solid rush defensive team. I mean, we're number eight in the league in terms of yards per rush, which is really important. I think some individual things, I think Stewart and Buckner really assist in that. I think they make a big difference. I think Stewart's having quietly a really good year. Um, I, I think of Karake, and he'll, you know, he'll never be confused with Butkus because he's not that kind of player, but he is really improving in the middle. He's starting to make a big difference, I think, you know, in different ways. Um, you know, he's learning the position. You just don't walk in there and know how to play Mike Backer. There's just too many things that happen. But I see him getting better. I, I think Pay is close. You know, he doesn't he doesn't obviously have a sack yet, and that's a big concern. You want that. But I thought he had two significant quarterback hits that affected the quarterback. 
I, I think he's on the cusp there. And, of course, I think sometimes we just take it for granted. I think Kenny Moore's overall play is just terrific. And as you said, the killers really is just anything on defense, anything related to pass defense, pass percentage number 30, passer rating 27, sacks 23, fourth quarter points 29. Those are things that, you know, if you don't fix, you're, you're not going to make it in the tournament. That's, it just really comes down to that. I think the other two things, and these things are critical because of the quarterbacks you're going to play, our defensive end have got to figure it out versus bootleg. They're just atrocious on that, and we're way too deep in the season to accept that, really. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's really the keys. Um, you know, so many positives right now as I look at the season, uh, and there's so, you know, to me, I'm so optimistic about getting in the tournament, but we do have to fix that one area of the game that right. has plagued us forever. All right, let's turn the page. Let's look at the Jaguars. They come into this game two and six, but they have won two of their last three. Last week, they beat the Buffalo Bills nine to six. They befuddled the Bills on offense. <laughs> you know, the Bills were scoring about 32 points per game, yeah. and they shut them down, kept them out of the end zone. The Jaguars are guided by rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence, the top overall pick out of Clemson, and they also have rookie head coach in Urban Meyer. He was a great college coach with a record of 170, 187 and 32. That's an 854 winning percentage. That is the highest winning percentage of any NCAA head coach with at least 150 games of experience. He lost more than three games in a season just two times, had two undefeated seasons, and had six one-loss seasons, and he lost 15 games total in his final nine years as a head coach in the NCAA ranks. This year, though, he's already lost six games, the Jags' defense is going to play hard. Their offense has had a hard time scoring points. What else do we need to know about the overall big picture on the Jaguars? Well, you know, I think, number one, you know, they, I think, again, and this is how you approach your team, and I think Frank did a good job of approaching the Jets, not as a losing team, but a team that had just come off a great victory. And I think you have to approach your team with the Jags being a 2-1 and one team, okay? 2-1 and one in the last three weeks. And I personally feel that the Jags are definitely a level up, at least, from like the Jets, let's say, and the Texans, who really are, are real bottom feeders. I think this is a team, you know, that is playing with great effort. They're very sound, not real complicated because they're young. You know, they're, they played really disciplined Sunday, great effort. And, you know, this is kind of a mark of coaching. And I think this is what you have to be aware of. They're improving every week. They they won the game Sunday. They 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 beat the Bills nine to six. Who you know I think they were number one. They may still be number one in scoring, but they were number one coming in. And the way they did it was you know they played the defensive game of their life and they kept the points off the board. They added four sacks to it, so they really dominated the Buffalo offense. Number two. You know, they won the turnover battle. They they won it 3-1. to one. They haven't been winning it. You know, they're a minus 9 total, but they won it. And then they did a really sound job. When I say they were sound and they were disciplined, they only had 54 yards of penalties. And, and basically, um, the Buffalo Bills had like 130. I mean, it was a tremendous disparity, and it, it more or less killed, it killed them. Yeah, you know, you, you you said it. You put it on the on the uh, on the table there on Urban, a tremendous college record, um, and the three national championships you can throw in. 
But I think when you kind of peel the onion, he's also done a really good job. Now, he's surrounded himself, even though he's never coached in the NFL, he's surrounded himself with NFL experience. I mean, Daryl Bevel is the offensive coordinator. He's been a coordinator forever. Brian Schottenheimer's with him. And then on defense, they got Joe Cullen and Bob Sutton, a friend of mine, has been a coordinator for 40 years. It's like a special assistant. So he and you can see that. I mean, they're playing real NFL ball. This is not a Saturday offense by any stretch. Um, and and I think you know it's again it isn't you know it isn't a uber talented team. I mean, this is not a team with a busload of you know blue chip stars. But I, I'll guarantee you, that, and we we know from experience, they can fill a Pacifica now with uh, with some stars that can ruin your game, like Allen, like Owens. Lawrence, like Robinson, like Jack. I mean, it isn't like they're starved, you know, like the Texans. You know, and I think, you know, it really starts with, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, who's erratic at this point. He's young, you know, his percentage isn't great, but he's a terrific athlete. He can ad lib, he can make plays. I don't know how the ankle affects him. He went out for a series with that thing. They brought Bethard in, he came back in. I personally really like Robinson, the running back. Now, he didn't even play last week. Carlos Hyde played. But Robinson uh, is, as you know, the first uh, undrafted free agent ever to gain 1,000-plus as a rookie. He's, we'll talk about him. I like Chenault. Chenault reminds me of Anquan Bolden. You know, and those are kind of the three money guys on offense. It's the quarterback, it's Robinson, and it's Chenault. And there's some other guys we'll talk about as we go. And then on defense, they have a game wrecker in Allen. I mean, he had an absolute tremendous game, uh, you know, Sunday, and he has five and a half sacks, but, you know, he got a sack, you know, he got an interception. I mean, you know, the Josh Allen that nobody knows beat the Josh Allen that everybody knows, and it was kind of cool in that sense. You know, we know Miles Jack can go from sideline to sideline. Uh, no question about that. They've got a really good matchup corner, you know, absolutely no question about it in Griffin. He'll probably go to Pitton, and he's a matchup guy, and he's held up really well. So, again, you know, they're young, they're basic, they lack, they lack offensive explosiveness. The reason they don't score many points is, you know, they're down around 16-5. I mean, they're at the bottom, but they just don't have a tremendous amount of speed and explosiveness. That's been their big, big, big problem. Now, RV, my my big three statistics that I kind of judge a team on, you know, by all stretches, they still are what they are. They're 26 points given up is huge to me, 26-1. You know, the QBR is 28th. I think he's dangerous, but that's what he is. He has a 35 QBR. And then they're minus ninth, which is 29th. So on paper, you know, this is certainly a team that if you play your best, you should win. But I think you got to keep in mind that they are getting better mm-hmm. and that they're one of those teams in the NFL that does have enough people that can make it tough on you. All right, let's talk about the blueprints. And let's begin first with the Jags on offense. They're averaging only 16 points per game. That's second to last in the NFL. They've put up just 16 points in the last two games combined, and they've been held to under 20 points in five games this season. Trevor Lawrence is now the franchise quarterback after being taken with the first overall pick, but he's been up and down this season like you would predict for a rookie to be. Uh, The Jags are 24th in passing, 32nd in third down offense, but they are tough up front on that offensive line, and they have second-year running back James Robinson, 
who ran over 1,000 yards last season as an undrafted rookie free agent. So give us the must for the Colts defense to win against the Jaguars offense coming up on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I talked a little bit about about the personnel there. Again, you're right. I mean, you know, Lawrence is a guy right now that, you know, he, he, he really has a lot of talent. When you look at him, he plays the game a lot like Carson. Obviously, he was one. Carson was number two in the draft. I mean, they were drafted because they're, they're complete tool guys. Um, and, you know, at times he just looks great. He can, he, can, he can make a game tough because he can move uh, bootlegs, for instance. If we don't fix that, we're crazy because he's really good at that. You know, uh, Robinson, uh, we'll get into that, very effective runner. And I really like Chenault, and I'll get into those in the must. I, I think it always starts, particularly with a team that's not explosive, is you've got to stop the running game of Robinson and obviously Hyde if he's in there. But Robinson is the guy. And, you know, we've seen Robinson. I mean, he we saw his debut as a free agent, and he did a great job against us in that opener in 20. He showed what he can do, and he continued to do it. He's tough, small, but he's tough, and he's elusive, and he has a deceptive bounce to the edge. Uh, again, I talked about first free agent in history, you know, to gain a thousand. He's a he's a Rockford Lutheran kid, played at Illinois State. I know I know the background well, but I'm still amazed. And even in 221, missing a game, he still has a 5.5 uh, rushing average, and he has 18 receptions. And Hyde is a solid backup, but Robinson is a really good player. We have to stuff. Robinson, we cannot let this team have a life raft by having a running game and taking pressure off the quarterback and off the two tackles. Um, I think we have to control Lawrence athleticism first and confuse him with coverage second. You know, when you look at his numbers, the number that strikes me is the 50% completion average, you know, and the, and the touchdown to ratio, I think it's eight to nine. And, and basically he can be forced into mistakes you know, he still – he will show great athleticism and he'll show great arm, and and then, you'll, and then you'll see a play that you say, you know, what did he do on that? And he forced it. So I, th- I think that's really critical. But the ankle may or may not be problematic. I don't know on the mobility. But if they're smart, they will boot us to death. They will boot us, and we've got to get our head out of whatever – and make sure that that does not happen because he is really he can really throw it on the run when things open up for him. So again, Lawrence's athleticism stop and then confuse him. I think we must have a plan in situations, critical situations for La Vista Chenault. Chenault is a hybrid receiver out of Colorado. He's almost a half a running back you know, have a receiver, doesn't have a lot of top end. He reminds me so much of Anquan Bolden, who was in my division when I coached in the NFL. Physical guy. He can break tackles. Always been a big catch and run guy. Has played some wildcat. And where you see him show up, Matt, is on those third down, third and three to seven, those money downs in the NFL. That's when they really feature him. And what they'll do a lot is get in bunches and stacks so that they can try to get him access. So when we're in man-to-man coverage, which you are in a lot of those situations, you have to be really good in taking him away. But, again, 
he he don't get me wrong, he and Jones, if you look at the stat sheet, there's really no difference. But if you look at the tape, the go to guy in critical situations is Chenault, and you gotta make sure you got you got him taken care of. I say choke these guys. The thing that I told you they're weak, the reason they're sixteen five scoring is they can't get explosive plays, particularly out of the receiver core. Nobody there is really, really fast and know who you're playing. I talked about Chenault, you know, Jones is solid. He was at Detroit for years, Marvin Jones. He's a real solid guy, but he's the possession guy. The guy that can be a little tricky is Agnew, 39. Agnew's their return guy. He's also their gadget guy, and he's a really good catch and run guy. So, I mean, they got some tools, but you want to crowd these guys. You don't, if, don't sit back and let this guy just pick you apart in zone. That would be ridiculous, particularly with a team that can't run. So, you know, that's really critical. And then I think if, if, if and when, and you've got to do this, you get an advantage – I think their offensive line has real issues, but I think they have issues on the edge. Robinson, and you're right, you said this early, it's a very experienced offensive line. It really is. And it's a highly invested offensive line. High draft picks, free agents. I mean, they they put together a lot of people here, but I still think they're weak on the edges. I think that, you know, Robinson can be beaten with athleticism. Uh, I think Taylor on the right side, who was a high draft pick, he has lazy feet at times, and you can beat him with second efforts. You know, I think obviously that Buckner is a tough matchup on their guards, no question about that. Uh, you know, you know, particularly on Barch, the young kid, their right guard. So I think you can win those battles. The other thing that I've seen, well, actually, um, just to, the note there is Robinson got hurt in a pregame last week. And Little, the rookie, remember we evaluated him a year ago from Stanford. He's a big, tall tree, but they beat him consistently on the edge. I think Robinson will be back this week, but it, it doesn't make that much difference. One thing I've noticed, this is a team that you can really blitz. They have trouble. Their backs have trouble picking people up. Line stunts hurt them. Get up in those sugars, which we can do. They seem to have a very – and that's partially the quarterback – they have a really hard time identify them. And I've seen sugar, different sugar blitzes really, really get them. So this is a team that blitzes and line stunts can be very effective. All right, let's talk about the blueprint for the Colts' offense against the Jaguars on defense. Jacksonville is 26th in points allowed, giving up 26 a game. They give up a very high completion percentage at 72.6. That's 31st. Their hallmark is run defense, giving up only 3.8 yards per carry. That's number three of the NFL. They only have five takeaways on the season. Three of those actually came last week against the Bills as they slowed down the high-powered Bills offense to only six points. They also sacked Josh Allen a season high four times and hit him another eight. They've got some nice pieces on that defense, including defensive end Josh Allen, Kayvon Chason, Miles Jack, who always plays hard, and then Dewan Smoot at defensive end. What else do the Colts have to be mindful of when it comes to this Jaguars defense, Rick? No, you're exactly right. And you know when you when you watch them Sunday against the Bills, you wonder how in the hell they could be 26 right. in the league, really, because they look like a completely different team. And if you if you peel the onion like I do on tape, there is talent there. There really is some talent. And they play really, really hard. I think it's, you know, I think it's taken them a while to figure out who they are. 
I think getting the defensive tackle back, Brian, gave them an inside rusher that they haven't had. I think he had two sacks. That made a difference. Um, you know, they've got one really, really good corner. And then they started Ford at the nickel. They were struggling with Herndon, who we've torched over the years. They finally benched him, put Ford in. Ford had a really good game. And so, you know, I, I think they're also kind of pulling it together. They're not, they're not a real complex team, uh, which you wouldn't expect from a new staff. Uh, you know, basically a lot of first down single high, uh, you know, meaning three deep, eight man front, basically over and double sinks. Uh, one thing they do a lot of is fires on first down. They like to bring that nickel off the edge and they like to bring our guy Wingert off the edge, the safety. I mean, those, you know, they, they like to try to go on first down and come off the edge and get you behind the count. Um, you know, and so, you know, when they get into long yardage, when they get into second down, then they play a sticky quarter. And by that, I mean, it's, it's a matchup for underneath. Uh, they, they match it up really, really tight and play quarters behind. So, you know, they work like heck not to get, not to let you come back on second down. Now, one thing I've noticed, and I think it's probably to protect their corner Campbell a little bit, is they have played in the last three weeks a little bit more Tampa 2 than we've seen. Almost no one has played that against us. Now, we work against it ourselves, so it should be a mystery. But they will play Tampa 2, and then sometimes what they do is they'll bring that nickel, they'll bring forward what looks like a blitz, and then they'll drop Allen out of there, and then they'll play Tampa 2 with it, you know, which is kind of a nice little wrinkle. Third, when they get to third down, you know, they'll give you some stuff. They'll give you the blip, you know, what I call the bluff and blitz package. Play a lot more man-to-man on third down, a lot more man-to-man um, in that situation. They haven't emphasized a lot of uh, delta, but I would be ready for it because Chase on is an outstanding uh, spinner uh, out there when they do it. I, I, I think the interesting thing, and I'm going to say the number one must, and I'm going to say it because – of who we are, okay, is I still think we have to pound them, okay? I I think we have to pound that bubble, be ready to cut it back. Now, it's going to be really fun to watch. As you said, you chronicled this already. We're the number two rushing team in the National Football League at 5-1, and they're the number three defensive team versus the rush with a 3-8. So, you know, this is kind of a battle of the strengths, but I think – we, for us to be good, for us to go deep in the playoffs, we have to stay running back centric. And we've got to keep them off balance because what they're doing now, all of a sudden, that pass rush is there. They got Brian back. They got Allen going. They got Smoot going. Chase on has skill. So, you, you know, that's their strength. You don't want to let them just get their ears back, you know, throw the ball 50 times a game and let them play to their strength. You've got to keep them honest. And I think – I think you can make them look bad. I, I think that you can take that number three stat and get after it. And, you know, at the same, and at the same time, we want Jonathan and Hines carrying the football. I think you can play action to death because one thing they do, as I told you, on first down, they like to fire those safeties or fire the nickel or they play a cover four. So when you do those two things, you're really only playing with three guys in the underneath zone. You're, you're voiding a zone kind of where you're matching. And so any time that you play action, you're only dealing with three guys underneath. 
So you, they are really vulnerable. You, th- this is where that passing statistic goes in the toilet for them is you can get over the middle because they're flying to that ball. They're flying to stop that run, and that play action is there. With any kind of freeze at all, you freeze those three guys underneath, protect it, boom, you're there. And also, I, I kind of associate also on those downs, those swings and those screen passes. See, to me, a, a, a swing pass to, to Taylor is better than a sweep because you spread the defense. Nobody's running to the ball. They're, they're all rushing the passer. Now you throw it to him. He beats one guy. Now, now the secondary guys have to make business decisions, and they don't want any, anything about him. All right, number three, and this, this kind of goes like I talked about, we have to make sure we have a plan for Chenault in critical situations. On the other side of the ball, we can't let Allen ruin the game. I mean, Allen is the leading lady here. This is a guy with 40 tackles, five and a half sacks, eight tackles for losses, four passes defended, and one pick. So this doesn't take Albert Einstein to figure out. Do not let him beat us. And they're going to move him around. Primarily, he plays on their right side, but by certain looks, he'll come over to the left. So you've got to make sure that you have him covered whichever side he's on. And he's a good rusher, good player, one of the best, I would say, all-purpose guys because he can rush the passer, and yet he's pretty good drop, true linebacker. He's a very, very special guy, and we've got to make sure that he's protected critical situations don't leave him a lot of one-on-one. And now, you know, with Bra- you know with Braden Smith again, you know, uh, you know, it's nothing is definite yet. But you know, with him struggling, uh, you know, we go back to Pryor. Make sure, you know, and I think Pryor has been serviceable. But you know, you, you still, when you get against a super player in the league, you got to make sure you've taken care of it. Um, I say don't sleep on the others, okay? Because they've got some guys that are that are pretty good too. You know, Smoot, number 91, normally plays the power end. He normally plays away from Allen. Um, he can pop inside some on their sinks. He has, he has three and a half sacks. He got one Sunday. He's another aggressive guy off the edge. And the guy that came in, I mentioned this to you, Brian from Florida, who's been out with injuries. He came back and he provided two sacks for him inside. So they looked uh, totally different. Chase Song has not had the big year, and of course they're trying to play him kind of as a hybrid, kind of a Sam rusher. You know, he really should be playing where Allen is, but he's not as good as Allen. So, but he also sometimes they'll get in a five-man down line where they'll kick uh, Smoot down and Chase on on one side and Allen on the other side. And just remember, Chase on even though he doesn't numbers, he has great explosiveness off the edge. And, he, you know, he's not a big power rusher, but he can run that edge. So you have to really set good with him. And then, as I said, you know, when you need a play, I talked about play action on early downs. Now, when you get into passing downs, okay, they they are playing a little bit more too than normal. But still, I, I don't want to go after Griffin. I like Griffin. Now, Griffin is going to match up Pittman, and that will be a fun challenge to watch because – you know, this is probably going to be the best corner that Pittman has run into play after play after play, where where a guy actually matches him now that he is an established number one. Okay, and then, but when in doubt, and this is what we talked about the other day on the roundtable, and I brought up the point: we have got to have somebody 
that can really shine now as a number two. You know, and, and Pasco can be that guy on certain stuff, but somebody's got to come in because you want to go after Campbell, the rookie, the kid from Georgia. You want to go after the two-corner who's going to line up opposite away from Pittman. you got to go after him. He's the liability. He's going to be a good player someday, but he's a liability. He's a grabber right now. He's not that guy. So, you know, run the ball, play action. Don't let Allen ruin you. Don't sleep on the other rushers. And uh, when in doubt, you go after Campbell. Those are the key issues there for um, for our offense. All right, Rick, finally, the AFC field, it's a muddy mess right now. It seems like most of the parity in the NFL is in the AFC, not the NFC. The Colts currently have the 12th best record in the conference. And as of this week, there are eight non-division leaders right now with either a four or five win total. So there's a lot of hope left for the Colts with about half the season to play. But there's a lot of teams still in the mix for a wild card spot. It's going to get interesting. Winning these division games against Jacksonville and Houston they're absolute must. You can't afford to lose these games if you're the Colts and want to play an 18th game in January. Absolutely, Matt. You, you know, to me, you're, you're exactly right. Right now, when you look at the season, when we go in to what I think is the most critical aspect of the season motivationally, because this is the grind, everybody's lumped. When you get into late December and January, you're, you're like a game away. Your motivation takes care of itself because you're now – you're now on the on the cusp of the playoffs. This is when you battle to separate yourself at the end of these four weeks to go into that, you know, into that mid-December with the Patriots and on through. And you're exactly right. Other than a couple teams at the top and about four teams down at the bottom, all the rest of us are just meshed. We're all just meshed in a pile. So how we play, and I'm really putting emphasis on this month. In, in this month, go, before the bye week, just before the bye week, we have those two division games that you're talking about. We got Jacksonville and we got uh, the Texans. And this is my analyst talk. My, my coach is only talking about Jacksonville. But my analyst is those two games have to be in our pocket. Then we have two games that the perception is, you know, they're division leaders. You have the Bucks, You have Buffalo. Buffalo's struggling a little bit, but you have two teams very good. So to me – What's really important, because we have to find a way to beat those division leaders. That's been our elephant in the room, eight straight. So we've got to win those two, and in my opinion, we have to win one one of those other two. As if we won them both, then we're going we're gonna to be sailing. But we've got we to gotta figure out a way then to get Buffalo or the Bucks coming in there. That's really, really critical. Two games you should win, and then you've got two games that you, you've got to split. Because as I said to you, Last week, we we have to split with these good teams at least in order to get to that ten wins, which I think will get you in. So, I mean, I I, I see that that way. Um, you know, again, uh, this they, they these guys are going to compete. Uh, I think probably I think you should look at them a little bit better than their two and one. You know, again, they got that 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 Pacifica full of guys: Allen, Griffin, Robinson, Lawrence, Chenault. That that's good enough to pull a game out. So. You know, this is, as I said to you earlier, this is a step up from the Jets and the Texans. Be ready for these guys. Be mentally ready. And be ready for a 60-minute dogfight. Don't expect it to be as easy as the Jets. Play your best game. And I like that idea. If we play our best game and they play their best game, then we win and we go on. And that's really the key. And, again, as I said, we're going into this vital, this vital third quarter of the season 
and it's really just all on the line Sunday against the Jaguars. That's Rick Venturi. This is Inside Football. Rick, fantastic job as always. Have a great rest of the week. Rest up for a crucial Sunday. And, uh, hey, listen, they're all playoff games from a mentality standpoint from here on out, my friend. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, somebody said that 17-game season is long. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you, you just kind of you kind of tune this whole thing out because it is long. Right. Uh, but you just keep playing and you got to value every game as if it's the playoffs, just like you just said. Got about it. All right, my friend, have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you on Sunday. All right, Matt, talk to you. You got it. That's Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor, and this has been Inside Football. We'll have the complete breakdown on the Bills next week, but it's the Colts and Jaguars AFC South showdown on Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Colts Audio Network. <laughs>